So here we are, Glenn. Yes, indeed. Yeah. For another episode of the More Than Mostly Comedy podcast. It's more than mostly comedy and it's a podcast. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. More more than just mostly comedy because um, I've forgotten what mostly comedy is, to be honest, at this point. No idea. <laughs> I'm not entirely sure. I think it's a tax dodge. I'm not entirely yeah. certain anymore. Yeah. And also we've had a little bit of, even though it's the same series, we've had a little bit of a break, haven't we? Because we had our we summer... Have. Hiatus. I mean, everything's a hiatus now, so I don't really know. I didn't notice any different, did you? No, no, not really. Yeah. Just, just the same, same sort of stuff. Um, and we're talking about COVID nineteen, um, coronavirus, whatever you want to call it. By the time you listen to this, probably <laughs> COVID twenty three. I don't yeah. really know. You know, there would be some other thing. <laughs> yeah, but we have been we have been doing the last quite a few podcasts now um, yeah. in this Zoom state that we're in. So we're doing everything via Zoom. Although we did meet, didn't we? Uh, yeah, earlier this week. Day. So that yesterday, was nice. Day before yesterday. Yeah, day before. First time yesterday. I've seen you in 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 months. In, yeah. in three dimensions. It's weird. Yeah. Yeah, so I got used to you flat and on a screen, and it's, yeah. it was odd. It was odd to see that all sides of you, all the full detail, and yeah. everything. Yeah. And also, Glenn, today at this point we're recording this. It is our twelfth anniversary, or mostly comedy's twelfth anniversary. Yes, not our twelfth anniversary. I don't even know no. what that would be. Uh, uh, we've gone past fifteen, twenty years. I don't know. Yeah. Forty years, <laughs> something like that. Well, we sort of officially, unofficially started in two thousand and five, I suppose. Yeah. So that's yeah. that's fifteen years. It depends when you started from. If you start from when we've, how long we've known each other, then you go back to like nineteen eight, ninety nine, ninety nine, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Frightening, isn't it? Pre decimal. Crazy, crazy times. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it is. It is mostly comedy's twelfth, twelfth birthday. Um, to the day, to the very day. Yeah. And I was watching the video today. I posted on Twitter. I saw it, saw. yes. Yeah. God, we look young. I know. <laughs> There's a, all sorts of things. It was, it was interesting to watch. And I remember, well, I say I remember. I remember because I saw the video today as well. But the <laughs> um, the sort of feeling of that gig, because the very first mm. Mostly Comedy, you started it right, on, yeah. on the night because I was doing a play in the little theatre around the corner from, from where we were doing the the gig at most comedy the george and i came straight from the show i was doing where i'd been playing a dracula type character <laughs> dressed as a dracula type character and yeah. did and sung take on me by aha where i completely destroyed my voice uh yeah, it's never been the same more, since really. yeah um but that that was my first mostly comedy intro and yeah. um yeah it was it was surreal to watch but it's nice i like that i like i liked it it was good fun yeah, and it's quite nice that we've got an actual video of that particular yeah. gig. And I remember, yeah. like, I mean, we were sort of fortunate with Mostly Comedy because from the very beginning, it was it, well, it was packed, for one. Yeah. Um, but it kind of worked from the beginning, didn't it? I mean, obviously, yeah. it got better. And, you know, it's always a bit cringeworthy when you watch yourselves, the way we sort of present ourselves compared to what we mm. would do now, maybe. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it always kind of worked from the beginning. We are kind of fortunate as well. Um, and also it's nice as well because uh, my dad's in the video as well, which is yes. nice to see. Yeah, I like that. And you can sp yeah. and really see him um, enjoying it as well, which yeah. is funny. I just, <laughs> and laughing, which is I'm nice. not quite sure why he was standing though. <laughs> so I was like trying to work out why he was standing and not sitting down at table. I think because right? it was just so busy. And, and also I think because he arrived with his mates and they probably arrived a little bit later, it was packed. I remember like all the tables yeah. were, were full and I guess he was just standing at the side. I don't know. Maybe he just knew he'd be in the video. He know. just wanted to make sure that, you know, 12 years later we'd watch it and see him yeah. enjoying it. It's like, you you will see me enjoying this in 12 years' time, you know? <laughs> exactly. But no, it's nice. It's good. Yeah. And tonight uh, mm -hmm. we interviewed Izzy Sutty. We did. 
Yeah. Which was which was really I mean we say this about all of them but it was a really nice chat and also because hmm. we've only actually met her once before because she's only played mostly once for various yeah. reasons. And quite and quite um, a long time ago as well like 2016 so yeah. quite a few years ago now. So Yeah and and she was due to play one of the gigs in the autumn but then obviously this year but then obviously hmm. none of that happened because we're still no. unable to do gigs basically. Yes. Um yes. strictly speaking. Um, but yeah, it was an, another lovely chat and she's, I mean, she's done a heck of a lot of stuff when you yes. look at, um, uh, you know, her CV and IMDB and stuff. And it was interesting mm. as well to note that because, I mean, she talks about it obviously briefly, well, it's not obviously briefly, but she talks about it, uh, Peep Show. She was starting that in 2008. So that's when we did, that's when Mostly Comedy started in fact. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Which is quite weird to think really. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and that's when we were doing the balloon debate and stuff, which we talk about. But yeah, yeah that's when she yeah. went into that. And she sort of said, you know, it's one of her sort of earlier TV things. Mm. What have we done in that time, Grim? What have we done? Well, this is it. Well, you know, we- I mean, I sung Take On Me, um, dressed, as, <laughs> <laughs> dressed as a Dracula. Yeah. And it, from that point, um, that was that's where I hit my, that was my high point, I think. <laughs> you say sung. Not really sung yeah, well, it? So no, it wasn't Shouted. Really. And yeah. you say high point, both, both literally and metaphorically. <laughs> no. Not, it wasn't really that high. It wasn't. It was a high no, you're right. You're right, yeah, which I didn't ever, in tool do I, yeah. No. Yeah. But anyway, let's uh, sit back and listen to the interview with Izzy Sutty, which we recorded tonight. Welcome, Izzy. Welcome to the More Than Most of Comedy podcast. Yeah, Thank good you. To be Happy with us. birthday. Thank, Thank you. you. 12 years. I've got you. I actually got a mini roll and put a candle oh, in it. Oh, that's um, amazing. But I can't find a lighter because oh. I smoke about maybe three cigarettes a year. Okay. And I don't go out anymore because of COVID. No. So I don't need a lighter, but... It's here. So. Could you put it in like a jiffy bag and send it to us? And... Yes. Brilliant. I'll that's... send you half each. That would be lovely. A, a hot, half the candle. <laughs> yeah, that'd be lo- that'd be lovely. And then one of us can light it, and the other one will have to sort of cut it down a bit just to get some yeah. sort of wick. Yeah, yeah. We can do that. perfect. We can do perfect. That. Yeah. I suppose can, you can do that with candles, like when you cut a worm in half and it yeah it still <laughs> lives. Yeah, two yeah. halves live. Yeah, they do. Does it? Yeah. Does the does the string go all the way through a candle? Is that how they? That's yeah, it must really be, must it? Because they burn down, don't they? I does think they do. Because the you like, don't you sort of dip the it? you dip the wick? I think you dip it into course, the wax, yeah. and then the wax solidifies. Yeah, but on a birthday um, candle like that, you know, the kind of little tiny. I don't yeah, know. they're not they're not well, really high ex- end. You don't expect to use them again and again. But I was no, thinking actually the other day that you should only, as a parent, need to buy one set of birthday candles and use. It was bad for the environment to throw them mm. away. So I am actually going to. So I'll let you know in twenty years cool. yeah, if it goes all the way there. down. Would you like have an extra one each time so you don't have one candle that's slightly lower than the rest, or will you? No, just, I think no. I'm just going to. And if they complain, I'll just say, "Why do you hate the environment?" Yeah, this is it. <laughs> biggest yeah. best excuse ever. Yeah, yeah. Blame, blame blame them for it, really. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, I was going to ask because um, you grew up in Matlock, I believe. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask, what was the point when the Heights of Abraham sort of lost its luster? Have you been on it a lot, or did? Um... Um, oh. Has it lost its luster, first of all? I mean, I still, when I'm feeling, especially in lockdown, when I was feeling like really, you know, weird, like most mm. of us were, I often Google image Matlock and Matlock Bath because it, I didn't really appreciate the beauty of the Peak District when I lived there. I was just like, it hasn't got a cinema. Oh, it's so boring. Yeah. <laughs> and now I'm like, oh my God, it was really beautiful. And actually there were some, I was looking at some of the pictures of Heights of Abraham and the cable cars the other day, which if anyone yeah. doesn't know what they are, they're kind of, I mean, they're like ski lifts, aren't they? Yeah. Being, of, yeah. of cliffs and fields and things and cows yeah. and it's, it's pretty high weird. as well from what i remember it's pretty i mean i was a kid when i went on it but yes yeah, it seemed, me too yeah 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 so why do you think it's lost it's lost it did you go on it when you were a kid and then you went on it as an adult and were like 
why did I think this was good? It's yeah, shit. Well, well, no, it's more of I wondered if it because because you come from there. Do you did you just oh do you go on it so many times? Yeah, or do you just go oh it's just here? I don't really think about it. Yes, like yeah. When we lived in the congestion zone, we got a ninety percent discount. When we lived in Elephant and Castle in the centre of London, so it'd be good if you got a 90% discount for the cable cars, then went yeah. like got went on them to school. And then this we're like, yeah, we're just yeah. on the cable cars. It's not a big deal. Yeah, um, no, I feel like I didn't go on them enough to feel that they'd lost their lust. It was quite, we only ever went on them if people came to stay with us, like our ah. cousins or visitors. And it like, you definitely took people on the cable cars. And then there was a little right. thing called Gulliver's Kingdom, a bit like Alton Towers, but not quite as good. Yes. Um, yeah. I think and, I went on, went to that. Yeah. Did you? yeah, it's kind yeah. of at the end of the cable cars. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm. And all the people from who operated the rides were from schools. So they'd give us like right. free goes, and it was quite easy <laughs> to climb over the wall. I probably shouldn't say that because I hope they've fortified security now. But um, <laughs> it was quite easy to climb over the wall, as I remember. So when I was a little bit older and a little bit naughtier, we used to kind of sometimes climb over the wall and right. drink cider next to the, <laughs> <laughs> the roller coaster, then climb back out again. I remember thinking about the cable cars. There, I went when I went to Allen Bay in the Isle of Wight when I was a kid, and there was like a I ski love lift. Alan Bay. It's amazing, yeah. isn't it? And also, yeah. like, it's still. I mean, where does all that sand come from? It's like, well, I know where it comes from, but you know what I mean. It's still in the no, stripes. It's still in the. I Do you know, think they run out? All the little like things you get, the little um, endless. I know. Yeah, you buy those things. Is that where in the gift shop you can buy yes. like? different shaped things and then you fill them with different coloured sand. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah I had yeah, one that was like, like a, a bell yeah. or something. But mm. yeah, but yeah, yeah, I remember I, doing that. I went on there with my dad and I remember we didn't pull the thing down. So it was only like about halfway up. We realised that we're on this cable car, not cable car, even ski lift over the cliffs with no security, which is crazy. So <laughs> Yeah, you see, good. that probably wouldn't... Ha- like, how long ago was that? Oh, that was like... Well, 25 years ago, something like that. I know. That. God, yeah. Like, you I remember wouldn't... going... I went skiing in Bulgaria when I was probably about 10 and my sister was six. And then um, firstly, my mum made us ski suits out of 70s duvets, which she sprayed with <laughs> some kind of waterproof spray. She was like, I'm not spending money on ski suits. We've never been skiing before as a family. We'll probably never go again. It'll be a disaster. So she made us these ski suits and we looked like such twats and everyone else had really nice ski suits. But it was so cool. And I've always looked, really loved skiing since then. Right. But I remember going on the cable car of ski lifts then in Bulgaria. Mm. And this was probably in, if I was 10, it was 1988. And right. we didn't pull the things down either. And I yeah. remember <laughs> go, like going over the little, you know, every few meters, you've got a kind of tiny little bump, haven't you? Yes. Where I guess where it goes over the pole that's holding up the string. Yeah. And I was like, oh, don't really think it's the right thing to do to leave the thing up. But no. yeah, I, I don't think there's many places now that wouldn't go. No, you've got to put the thing down. Yeah, it's just like yeah. a park bench on a wire or something. And no, yeah. it's just, just yeah. It's like getting on a park bench, it's just being lifted up yeah. Yeah. by a really giant in the, yeah. wire. Yeah. yeah. But I, I, I don't think I've ever been on a skit. Do you know, I think I've I've missed out on that one. I've never. Have you been not on been a to Alan Bay, Glenn? I have, mm. but I don't remember going on any lifts at Alan Bay. I don't remember okay. going up in the air. I remember seeing the sand, but I don't remember going up in the air. So I think the Heights of Abraham's not a. It's like an enclosed thing, isn't it? It's like an enclosed cable. Yeah, it's car, a cable my, car. Isn't yes, it, it is. It's like, like almost like the London Eye in the sense that you get in and then yeah. Oh yeah, but the view. Yeah, yes, I, yeah. I do. We won't but just it's not talk like the London Eye. It's not a circle. It is a a string going yeah. across the valley. Yeah. It inspired mine and Glenn's first Edinburgh show as well, funny yeah, enough. Because we where um, it came from, yeah. We wanted to do a thing where we were stuck in one place and it was going to be the Heights of Abraham, but then we changed it to a hot air balloon basket and it was the balloon debate. So that was... Oh, it, that's yeah. pretty cool. We, we suddenly realised that the Heights of Abraham, you'd be limited to what you could talk about 
just in the one place. We're like, well, at least we can move her a bit further away if we go on a hot air balloon. And so it's much easier to fake a basket as well. than um, The Heights Bay Ranch yeah. is actually a hot air balloon on a string as opposed to... Kind free. of is, without the balloon. Yeah, it's like, yeah. Without yeah. the balloon, without the fire. Yeah, without the f- yeah. 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 a lot less fire. With more, less wicker, I imagine. We, yeah. yeah, we were going to talk about the Heights of Abraham for the whole thing. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, this is the Heights of Abraham podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> By the way, do Promotion. go and visit the Heights of Abraham. It is amazing. I suppose it's not open at the moment, is it? But um, no. one day... Because I, I, I was one of those things I thought, I wonder if that's still open. And then every so often you go up like um, on the motorway services, you always there's always flyers for it. So you're like, oh, it's yeah. still yeah. there, it's still there. Yeah. Yeah. When you were growing up um, in Matlock, did uh, did you sort of know you wanted to perform quite early? And 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 if so, did was was there an outlet for it? There was that. What, what, what um, did you do? Yeah, it was actually a really creative place to grow up. It's quite there's a lot quite a lot of sort of bands there and right. lots of hippies and stuff. Lots of sitting around campfires and people singing songs a cappella and stuff. And yeah. I went and the school I went to was. Um, I think now it's called a performing arts school. It's not, it's the normal oh. bog standard comprehensive, but I think they, there's a big focus on the arts. So I was really oh. lucky actually to be in Matlock. And uh, yeah, I did always, always, always want to perform in some sense. I didn't quite know <clears throat> in what way, I don't think. I used to write, I used to write songs from quite a young age, from about 10 or 11 when I stopped playing the guitar. Right. And then I thought I wanted to be in bands and I was in bands for a while. I was in lots of bands bands where we got like pint glasses thrown at us and <laughs> bands where we played a bit nicer gigs than that i was in a yeah. prog rock band we played at the pavilion in matlock bath um, right. and we were so kind of our, all our songs were like a minimum of eight minutes long and we used to project <laughs> what we thought were really kind of hard hitting images behind us <laughs> of like pylons and, right. and stuff like that um and um do you think it read or was it just like what why why are they, why are they yeah. doing that do you know what i think it read so well they were just stunned yeah. into silence and they couldn't clap <laughs> <laughs> no they were the, the two other guys in the prog rock band were amazing musicians i think we just did a few too many pink floyd covers that were oh. like pretty long but, <laughs> yeah. um but we we had some some good songs like in all the bands that i were was in our hearts were in the right place and um so it was mainly bands and acting when i was little i went to youth theater and stuff and um, I used to spend a long time in the mirror doing American accents, but like playing um, men. I used to okay. do long improvised monologues of like, I don't know, I really loved like Reservoir Dogs and stuff, you know, because that came out when I was right. in, perhaps in the sixth form. And yeah, so I used to spend a lot of time in the mirror kind of being like, well, why? Why do you want me to go there? I don't know why. I'm just going to go and just thought, yeah, <laughs> for ages. So. It's the sort of thing you think back to and you realise that is, because yeah, I used to have, there was like a sort of dresser in our in our dining room, which we never went in but for Christmas. And it had like glass sort of doors on it. And I used to like mime along to songs into the reflection in the glass. You know, you just yeah. think, and yeah, like, listen, but Sergeant Pepper, because I was a big Beatles fan, but like miming along to that. And you just think, why? I mean, I suppose I was it thinking, follows. Why didn't you use a mirror? But maybe I don't know. you wanted to do it in a way that was like sometimes you want to do something, but you don't want it to be like I'm doing this thing. You want to yeah. kind of be like, yeah, I just happen to be doing it while I'm while I can see my reflection. Yeah, <laughs> accidental. Yeah. Or maybe I was going for like the sort of Pepper's Ghost thing. You know, you have like the glass oh, thing, and like, it looked yeah. a bit spooky. But yeah. yeah, I used to spend a lot of time doing that and sitting in between my speakers of my hi-fi, just listening. I was an only child, yes. so I think that's probably why. <laughs> Well, but, yeah. it sounds good. I mean, anything, like it's weird when you look back and you think, I just really wanted to like have an outlet. And then you find yeah. a way, don't you? Whether you're growing yeah, up yeah. in like Luton or, you know, hmm. the middle of America or something, you'll find yeah. a way to and It's funny, do you, do you find as well, because those are the sort of decisions you made very early on in your life. And then you find yourself sort of sticking to those things and following that path. 
Yeah, but I've always, I've always been so, so sure that I wanted to perform and write in some sense. I didn't, uh, say I didn't quite know in what capacity when I was younger. I didn't necessarily think I'd do stand-up. I loved things like Brass Eye and The Day to Day. Um, I loved Bottom. Um, oh, yeah. I really, uh-huh. really loved The Simpsons. And so I definitely used to watch French and Saunders and stuff. Um, smack the pony so there were lots of things that I liked but I didn't necessarily mm. think that that was a viable career because I didn't know yeah. anyone who kind of did comedy whereas I knew like there was youth theatre and stuff so that was kind of the way I did it although I used to write sketches as well but yeah it, I, 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 but I'm quite stubborn and um, I've always put work until I had kids which has sort of changed me fundamentally I think I work came before everything um, even sort of on a par with relationships and ahead of some relationships Right, yeah. I yeah. won't say which. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. mate, you didn't make it. You're not on a par with work. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm going to do a gig in Reading for £40. Pounds. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then I, when I worked at, um, at Oddbins, I worked in the call centre for Oddbins for years and I had lots and lots of different jobs. Like I was a cleaner, I worked in lots of call centres. I sort of had this job where I had to ring... Um, I had to ring doctors and surgeons sometimes who were in the middle of performing operations. And if they couldn't answer, ask their secretaries to page them and carry out these medical surveys. So it'd be like on behalf of a company who makes drugs for stroke victims and be like, can I just ask you five questions about, and at the end you'll get a 20 pounds M&S voucher. And they'd be like, (laughs) I'm in the middle of performing. (laughs) Yeah. So I had some really interesting and weird jobs. And then every night more or less I'd go and do a gig and I'd get like three hours sleep and get up and go and do the job again. And I just loved it. And you, you know what it's like, you just fall in love with it. Don't you? And you, Hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm still trying to work out why they'd be answering the phone when they're doing an operation. Yeah. Yeah, Blaming you. There was a, yeah. I, yeah, I know exactly. It wasn't my fault. I was trying to get enough money to get the tube home, basically. But yeah. I think what used to happen is we'd get through to like a switchboard and then our supervisor was always very insistent that we had to ask their secretaries to page them as if it was something really urgent. Yeah. Right. And we did often get them out of consultations or... Yeah, or people like procedures. people actually died because you were asking them questions about really blessed. Yeah, because they're they almost trying to get an M and S voucher. Yeah, voucher. Yeah, yeah. yeah. they're like, well, I've now, yeah, it's it. They're dead now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but M and S is great, right? Yeah, yeah. so you wouldn't yeah. argue with M and S voucher, really, no. would you? No, I, I understand that. Yeah, yeah, so, I appreciate that. So you were always interested into comedy. So you, did you not necessarily feel that was the way you go? Or was it just what, what was it band first, or was it um, you know comedy first? Because you went, did you go to Guildford? Yeah, I went to Guildford and um, I don't know really. I think I always really loved making people laugh. And when I look back, whether I would like to make it clear that no one did die because of M&S vouchers, yeah. at least not because of any, <laughs> any M&S yeah. vouchers that yeah. were on my watch. Yeah. Um, yeah. I did go, like, when I was at youth theatre and I remember going to this thing at Edinburgh Festival, because my dad was Scottish, we used to go to Edinburgh every year and that was amazing. So oh. although I mostly watched theatre, I used to really love Burkhoff stuff up there and... So I suppose comedy stuff, but I used to quite like kind of quite dark comedy stuff or, yeah, kind of sometimes quite avant-garde stuff. Um, And I went to this thing in Edinburgh once, which was where I went to this summer school, I guess, when I was about probably 10 or 11. And I went every day and did, like, we did a show at the end of the week. And I did a kind of sketch in it and I kind of fell into it without realizing this sketch and then the audience laughed at this i had someone had to walk past a park but i still remember it had to be sitting on a bench and someone had to walk past and i had to do like a weird look to the audience then a look back like what's going on with this person Hmm. and they all laughed and that was the first time i remember making an audience laugh Hmm. 
Right. And yeah. it was amazing, that feeling. But then I didn't necessarily think that I'd do comedy. I always thought I'd do Mike Lee films in that way that mm. <laughs> when we were at college, we were so... Me and my friend used to sit there and go, yeah, I'm going to do Mike Lee film. And then I think a Ken Loach film or maybe the other way around. <laughs> and then we graduated <laughs> and we were like, oh, I'm doing my fourth TIE show. Yeah. Playing yeah. a duck for the second yeah. time this year. Um, yeah. So, yeah, sometimes, mm. I mean, it's amazing in a way to have that optimism and hope. I'm glad that I had it yeah. once. But I, I think I, my idea then was that I would do things like Mike Lee, which are both funny and moving and sort of terrifying at times and mm. the kinds of things that I really love and I suppose I'm still drawn to to doing like I I, I know that my stand-up isn't really terrifying but I think what I mean is I love examining sort of the fragility of life or the kind of mundanity yeah. of relationships at the same time as mm. as being funny about them and my mm. favorite stand-up is phil k because i think oh, we, he, he's our hero yeah, yeah we love like him. he's he's yeah. so funny isn't he and then he's mm. also he's sort of he's so theatrical and yeah. he makes you feel somehow that you're capable of anything when you're watching him like yes. it mm. and, he, and i find it very moving i i cry sometimes when i'm watching him because i sort of feel he's saying something very profound about life i hope that doesn't mm. sound too wonky, no, but you're I really right do yeah feel completely like agree that. yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah. I remember one time seeing him in Edinburgh and it, I think it's the first time I've seen him properly. And I honestly, I laughed so much. I felt like my soul was going to escape. It was just so, it was extraordinary. And I remember sort That's of saying to him. That's such a good, yeah. You know, because it's, it's it is so, he's so intelligent while also being ridiculous and all those things. But the way he tells the story, the, that yeah, there's something really magical about it. We've had him, it was sort of the first bigger act we had at Mostly that we really wanted. And it was only because, um, like, he mentioned his email address in a gig, so I'll get that down. But, mm. yeah, he's just... Yeah, he's just amazing. You do have to hide everything in the venue, though, when he comes. Oh, God, he's a liability. I mean, like, <laughs> oh, in terms why? of performing in the... He just pulls he plays with apart. There was, he would play yeah. with it, yeah. We were, do, we were doing a venue's Hitchin Town Hall now, and they had, like, this massive clock in the wings. It was sort of like the Back to the Future clock. And I had to say to, like, the staff, you might want to move that because he'll find it. But then I neglected to remember there's like a massive throne there as well, which he, he pulled <laughs> oh, he out moved and stuff. That, didn't he? He moved yeah, it. you do. He's like, you know, you'll see a ladder and you go, yeah, he'll pick that up and bring it on. But he, but, <laughs> but he is, and his books are great as well. I don't know if you've read his um, books. Yeah, I've, got, I've actually, yeah, I've, I've got one and I've read bits of it. It's fantastic. I need to, yeah. I've got, a, I've got a collection of books that I, um, in lockdown have gone, these, because I don't get that much time to read with two young yeah. kids and it's it's on that yeah. pile I need to I love the bits I've read of it I got into this weird thing in lockdown where I had this pile of books and that I knew would be amazing but the only books that I could read were thrillers by female writers and that wasn't right. a kind of choice at the beginning of lockdown of this is what I'm going to do hmm. it was it, it was like I couldn't concentrate on anything except for quite kind of um, I don't know how, like punchy plots where I didn't yeah. have to like think loads and loads and loads. Not mm. saying that those plots aren't intricately constructed, but it's just quite yeah, different yeah. from reading a book about, say, a relationship where it goes right into the depths of why it's going wrong and stuff. It's more like mm. everything's moving really quickly. Oh my God, what's going to happen next? Like, yeah. They were literally the only books I could read. I couldn't read books by anyone I knew. It was really weird. I, right. I yeah. And so I've discovered some amazing writers of books of a genre that I actually hadn't really had much experience of reading just and, for whatever reason i've always been drawn to i suppose i love ian McEwan and i love things like phil k i love books by people you know comics mm. and funny books and stuff so yeah it's um 
Have you read um, much, yeah. uh, Robert Harris books? No. He's brilliant. I th- I'm sure if you like that sort of thing, because it's exactly that, you know, like real sort of thriller, that, but just drags you along with it. There's a really oh, good great. one, um, yeah. Archangel, it's called, and it's about um, Stalin and about something, uh, Stalin's son that you don't realise is still alive. And okay. sort of, but really, all of his stuff's great. Um, brilliant. He's the, the guy who wrote Enigma and stuff as well. But yeah, he's, he's really, really good. Great. Um, how, how have you found, I mean, the inevitable question, how have you found the whole lockdown and everything situation? Well, I feel like it's, I think for most people it's been, because we still don't know how long it's going to be. Mm. And at the beginning we didn't know, did we? I, I think that's the worst thing about it, that if someone had gone, it's going to be like this and it's going to be hard for, even if it's, they said five years, mm. I genuinely mm. think that would have been better than just yeah. going forward and going, oh my God, when is this going to... I found that aspect of it really, really hard, not knowing what was ahead. And then, of, of course, on a day-to-day basis, it was difficult and it was lovely in some ways. It was extremely stressful in some ways with a young family. We've got no gardens. We're trying to move house now, and, but everyone wants gardens and we haven't got one, so we're like... Mm. Uh, please will you buy our flat with no garden uh, um, <laughs> and you know that like the kids just wanted to be outside and it was hard to hard to sort of explain one of them because he can't talk apart from saying e-i-e-i-o and the other one because she <laughs> um, found it quite upsetting that we couldn't go outside and we couldn't see their friends and, and stuff mm-hmm. um and there were some really lovely moments as well and we all ate together and we me and Alice started having lunch at 11.30am and dinner at 5pm. We were that's, like... That's my life. Yeah, yeah that's... Yeah. <laughs> so that's like like proper doing. adults. All yeah. Of yeah, exactly. That's the mark of being a true parent, isn't it? It is, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, they're often at the childminders, so I'm like, yes, I'm, I have lunch at 1pm. I'm, yeah. I'm 42. And then suddenly I was like, no, no, this is what happens when you're with your kids all the time. Like some oh. people are, you have your lunch yeah. at 11.30. Like in some yeah. ways it was quite eye-opening like that because... You know, a lot of us work, don't we? At yeah. least some of the time. This is it, and, yeah. Yeah. When Steffi was a baby, my son, I took more time off. So I hadn't been working as much. And I think that it was easier for me to go into lockdown from that than right, perhaps yeah. before I had kids or when I just had Betty, when I, I did work more when I, when I just had Betty for some reason. And I think the, it would have been such a harsh kind of change whereas mm. i was already quite used to being in and and stuff like that um but yeah i don't i don't i feel like now it's not as much of a it doesn't feel as there's no not as much novelty is there like we're in the second wave and i yeah. often wonder yeah. what it would be like if there was a second wave but i suppose you realize that life has to go on and you have to earn money and you have to, yeah. you know, whereas it, at the beginning it was weird, wasn't it? It was just like everything stopped. Yeah. yeah. It's it's easier for, I found it easier when everything stopped because, Did you? because, because everything stops and then you're all in the same situation. Whereas now it's that weird thing of depending on who you are and whether you've got children or not got children, everyone's doing different things. So we're like, we're taking our kids to school and nursery every day, which is really normal. And then I'm, mm. I'm, I manage a little theatre, so I'm work, trying to get a theatre back on its feet. And there's certain things that feel really normal, but then other people, you know, for, for whatever reason, are sort of still not really doing a lot. And it's a very strange sort of flip from one to the other. It's just, it, it, it makes it feel more, feel me, I feel more uneasy about this yeah, now I know what you mean. than I did it, before. You know? Yeah, you have to, like, you feel... you. 
like because Ellis is Ellis has got Crohn's disease, so he's on immunosuppressants and he isn't high risk. But at the um, beginning, he got that letter saying um, you are high risk, just because I think they sent out this blanket letter and hmm. it was like stay three feet away from everyone in your household and stuff. And I was like, wow. oh my god, we've got a one year old. How are we gonna? Yeah, and then he was yeah. like, no, obviously that's not possible. But no. let's let me ring my consultant. Anyway, the bottom line was he he it's all right. He isn't high risk. It's easier for us than it is for the people who are high risk and i think that mm. that's a really difficult situation for them to be in now where mm. things are easing back to normal in inverted commas for some people mm. you feel like you've got to justify your decisions whereas actually you haven't you're doing the best for you yeah, yeah. i exactly. feel protective of ellis and i mm. won't do things that some of my friends will do and i sometimes feel not that they would ever say you know why aren't you doing that it's mm. totally fine but it sometimes just makes me a bit sad that some for people have varied reasons for not doing stuff or doing stuff it could be a medical reason it could be mm. just a psychological reason it, it's mm. everything and i yeah, think yeah, yeah. it can be tricky negotiating mm. those situations and kind of working out whether to explain things or not or just going yeah. i don't feel comfortable doing that and yeah. i know what you mean in a way when everyone's in the same boat you go we're not allowed to do that. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. there we go. There's a, there's a simple rule, whereas now the rules are so all over the place and everyone, like you say, everyone has their own version of what they feel comfortable doing, what they don't feel comfortable doing. So you have to sort of judge everyone in a sense now. It's it, it, like dropping the kids off at school at, for the first day back at term. And I was like, some parents are wearing masks, some aren't wearing masks. What's the right thing to do here? Should I be wearing a mask? I don't, you know, you kind of, yeah. I'm sort of analysing what's the right situation. It's such a weird environment. You're like, why would yeah. I, you know? It's and having responsibility as well, isn't it? Because I think when yeah. the whole country's doing it, you feel like you know what you should be doing. But because the message is so sort of confusing and yeah, uh, yeah you you feel responsible for for what you do. But also, like you're sort of saying, you know, you feel like you have to explain because it's so easy for people to forget um, and just go back to normality. So yeah. someone will be in your space and then you have to oh, sort yeah. of yeah. point out the yeah. organism, oh, I need to do this. So it's... Oh, yeah. I know, it's yeah. yeah, you sort of you feel like you have to go, I don't think you've got it. Yeah. So somehow that would be a stain on their character. But if yeah, they yeah. did have it and were asymptomatic, like someone yes. I know was, and it was such a right. shock for them when they found out they had it, they only got tested because they were going to visit an elderly relative. Mm. It's not their fault. So no, even no. if you are saying, look, I think you might have it, that, yeah, that's yeah. not a diss. Yeah, yeah. No. You know, you could just <laughs> yeah. as well be saying, I think I might have it and I might not know, you know. Oh, yeah, oh yeah. God, it's, it's so hard. I, I had someone come and... Um, I went. Someone I met someone a few weeks ago, and he he went to shake my hand, and just completely just went just went to do it. And I had to say to him, I, "No, I'm not really comfortable doing that." But I felt so bad saying. But maybe that. he like, was doing it automatically. Maybe he sort of was, like, was but thinking about it. But it was. I was like, I've never felt so awful. Like just no. meeting someone. He was a lovely bloke, but I just the first thing I had to say to him was, "Don't shake my hand." No, but not in that way. But just kind of had to say, "Don't do that," which is such an odd thing to do. It's like you're Diana Ross or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't. Do, yeah. I don't do this. Yeah. yeah, my friend directed. My friend directed Christina Aguilera once. That sounds so, but he did, and he, he's so not that kind of person. But he got this sort of jammy job directing her in something or other, and um, he she had this big entourage with her, and um, he was just sort of doing the final checks and the lighting and stuff like that. And then he she had a lock, lock of hair in her eye, so he reached forward just to. Oh. push out of her and she went don't touch the hair oh, no. <laughs> so i mean imagine i mean imagine people like that in corona yeah. just be like yeah. don't yeah. come within six, six feet yeah yeah <laughs> i remember reading I, some... I, sorry i get in sorry i get in quite early with people and say um yeah 
oh, I say, isn't it weird that we can't hug now? Yeah. So I just get it Him. down yeah. a bit. Yeah. Yeah. And um, do the sort of weird elbow bumping or the foot. Yeah. Have you done that? The, the foot. The foot. Thing? I've not done. I've done the elbow. I've never. I've not done the foot yet. Say so the foot. <laughs> so I did a podcast um, with lovely Giles Paley Phillips. Um, his podcast the day before. I think lockdown started, so it was like maybe the Friday, and then there was a weekend where they were like, we were all like, is it going to happen? I don't know if you can remember, it was so long ago. And oh, was, yeah, yeah. And then it kind of started the week after, so it was the last mm. thing that I did really before lockdown. And we, they did the feet thing, and I was like, right. oh, okay. And that's that's the first time I did it. And I've done it a few times with my friend Chris, and yeah, it's, it's quite cool, actually, quite to like balance that. on one foot, and then you <laughs> kind of put the soles of your feet together. That's okay. quite that that is quite impressive as well. So that's yeah, and yeah, no, I might try that next time. Is it because like germs yeah. don't carry on feet or something and elbows? <laughs> it's just like, yeah, well, I mean, I'm, it's yeah, I'm making it sound <laughs> as if your feet are um, naked. Like I'm making it sound like you've got no, <laughs> no shoes on, shoes which actually is <laughs> quite intimate. Yeah. Let's yeah, put yeah. the soles of our feet together. Yeah, no, yeah. you're like literally on the yeah. street, kind of trying to balance while you right. fall into people and go, "Oh, this is defeating the object of social distancing." <laughs> I'm falling into other people. I try to balance. I might yeah. practice that with my kids, though. I think my kids would love that. Just that, just to be, Speak, the novelty. Speaking of, of Christina Aguilera as well, I remember reading somewhere, I think it's Seal, the singer Seal. He, he doesn't do a handshake, he just do hugs, apparently. You oh, get a really? hug from Seal. But not anymore, but apparently, okay. yeah, that's what he does. What does he do wow. now? Yeah. That's, so did, that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah that's quite nice, I think. It's quite, must, he must be finding it very hard at the moment. Well, yeah, exactly, yeah. that's the thing. But it's, when people are like that, though, the Christina Aguilera thing, you think, what the hell? I mean, seriously. Yeah, you know, I know, I know. No one has any right I mean, to be like that, surely. Yeah, it's she could have been having... You never she does know now. Well, yeah. you, but she maybe had a bad, a traumatic experience with someone touching her hair and, like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. I was I'd never this. be like that, no, no matter how big I get, guys. <laughs> but I think sometimes <laughs> with some people, because the problem is, with like if you meet someone very, very famous, and like I'm, I'm a big Paul McCartney fan, and I've met him a couple of times, but it can change if someone just has a bad day, and you happen to meet them, that can change your perception of them forever. So, and I guess you have that to a degree as well, where um, people. You know, if you're not always going to be on, oh, you're not always going to be feeling up for it. But obviously, that's the thing that the story that people remember. And, yeah, and that's the feel, yeah. hard thing. Yeah, I remember two things that I still feel weird about. One is that when my dad was very ill before he died, I had, a, I was coming back from Derby where he was in hospital, back to London, and I had a phone conversation with a friend about it, probably long time maybe 45 minutes and then when I got to London I got off and the guy who'd been sitting behind me was like oh hi Izzy I really like your work or whatever and I just thought oh my god you've heard that mm. and I thought oh it's really hard because you I'm not at a level where I get recognized every day or anything like that and in a sense I think is it easier if you are very, very famous and mm. you've got this kind of awareness all the time that you couldn't have a conversation like that unless you yeah. were prepared for mm. people to hear. But mm. it sometimes catches you unawares and you go, okay, that's just a bit weird that you've heard all that. Mm. And yeah, um, so yeah. I feel sort of odd about that. And then the other time I was in Nando's on the Elephant and Castle Roundabout when I lived there and I was really drunk with my best friend from home, Caroline, and it was really like one in the morning. Mm. And a guy came over and said, oh are you, are you Izzy and, I, and I, I said yeah and he went oh my god and I went oh my god <laughs> so I was so drunk and then he just looked uh, so heartbroken uh, and then I, 
yeah and I was like I'm sorry I'm sorry do you want do you want a photo and oh, I just yeah that still haunts me but I was drunk I was eating yeah. chicken like I was King Henry the you know? <laughs> well you should care about yeah. it you know if you didn't care then it would be you know more... yes that's true yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. do you find yeah. as well because uh, you were talk- talking about the comedy that you liked and things you liked when you were younger I presume there have been times when you've maybe worked with people that you used to watch when you were younger or that inspired you. How was that for you? Was it a, a sort of moment of, you know, realisation yeah. of where you are? Well, or? I think it depends what you're, what I'm doing in that situation, as it were. Mm. Like, so I met Jim Bob from Carter the Unstoppable Sex Machine, which is a band who were... Uh, I adored when I was at school. They're, they've still got a real cult following and they... Jim Bob, who it w- was the the singer, and there was Fruit Bat, the guitarist, and at various times there were other members. But mm. I was absolutely obsessed with them. I knew all their songs off by heart. I went to see them the first time when I was thirteen, and then um, I even sent them tapes of myself. I got backstage when I was about fifteen and met them, and I couldn't talk because I, I was so overawed. Um, and then I did a gig with Jim Bob from Carter years later at a gig that Robin Ince organised. Um, and I felt like I was a teenager again. So, mm. it, and my friend Gavin was on as well and he was really winding me up and being like, I'm going to tell Jim Bob that you used to really love him and blah, blah. <laughs> and um, it, it was, and then I was really sort of rude to him because I was so nervous. Like mm. I tried to be really casual and then, um, <laughs> He was like, oh, hi, I'm Jim. And I was like, hi, I'm Izzy. I'm going to get a coffee. Do you want anything? And he was like, oh, no, thanks. I've got one. And then I went, I'm getting you a latte. Like, really aggressively. And yeah. <laughs> just, yeah, it was, yeah. But weirdly enough, he lives down the road from me now. And um, I know his wife, who's absolutely lovely. And I still mm. love his music and love what those guys did. So, But it's yeah. very odd now. I see him in the street and we've sort of read each other's books and given each other right. notes when we were writing our books. And So that feels now like he's, I suppose, Jim, who lives mm. here. And yeah, mm. um, I met Burkhoff when he was in Man Down. Um, and I, I've read all wow. his plays. And right. like, yeah, that was that was more kind of, I didn't really get to know him very well. So I still mm. felt kind of like, oh my God, it's Burkhoff. But yeah, yeah it, I think they say never meet your heroes, don't they? Um, it's I think Jim Bob is the exception. He he's absolutely lovely, but I can see why. What was it like when you met Paul McCartney? Was it like well, I mean, I sh- very sort of daunting initially? Because like he's the reason I like learned to play the guitar, and obviously because he's just you know one of those people you know you've, it's so iconic and you so familiar from so many different of footage. And there was a point where he was coming out of his office, and I was I just had done a casting. I went around, and he's with like the guys, like his assistant. And as I was, I thought, well, I have to go over and speak to him. And I was crossing the road and behind him, and you can hear him going, well, you know, where the hell were you? And you're like, it's, it's fucking him, you know. And yeah. and it was, he was really nice. Um, and I'm glad he was, because I don't know how I would have dealt with that. But yeah. um, but you're so conscious as you do it. You know, he's spent his whole life, you know, since he was like early 20s in that situation. You know, he and then, wouldn't have had a conversation about a dying parent. On no, the exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. he's learnt. Mm. Yeah, exactly. But... But yeah, you just sort of yeah, and no, he was nice, and um, yeah. but yeah, it's I, I, and to be fair, like with mostly comedy as well, actually, because we it sort of became like a thing where we were like the kid inside. You just start booking all the people, but yeah. like Phil K being the first sort of one. Yeah. But we had Paul Daniels, for example, Paul Daniels and Debbie McGee. That's McGee the one. Came. That's the one that always sticks yeah. in my head for like the, the just the sheer fact of the guy turned up. Paul Daniels turned up with Debbie McGee, which was kind of like mm. oh, there's the two of them together, and it was 
the nice thing was with that we had so much time because we interviewed them for a podcast so we had all that time to get to know them because I think a lot of the time when you meet people that you really like, you kind of, it's so brief that you feel like I didn't mm. put over myself. Like you say, that angry thing, you feel like you've just been like quite of abrupt and nothing else. And that there's yeah, because when you're running a gig, you're like you basically start by saying stand over there. You know, you yeah. come on from there, and you're like, what the yeah. Fuck? But yeah, so it was really nice doing the podcast with them because we felt I felt like we actually put across our personalities and the fact that yeah. we love them as well, but in a nice, not scary in kind of stalkery way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I yeah. think when you've got that short time with people. You, what it comes down to is you want them to want to be your friend yeah, yeah, and to yeah. think you're really cool. Yeah. And uh, yeah. it can't really happen. That's no. the horrible truth. No, yeah. At best, they'll go, they were all right. They yeah. were nice. Yeah, you know, they're yeah. not going to be like, let's be pen pals. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's can be really hard to swallow. So I think that's kind of why mm. people say never meet your heroes because it's like it's never going to live up to the imagined. Yeah. No. encounter mm. yeah, yeah um but yeah i i think that is definitely what i was doing with jim bob i was sort of kind of being like well you do that thing where you're like well they're not gonna like me anyway so i'll just be like i'm getting you a latte and then i won't have risked anything it's yeah. it's so yeah it's so weird and the thing with paul Daniels yeah. was great i mean because i remember like walking down to the venue that day and thinking i'm just going to enjoy today because it was like mm. again like for me in particular i also have a grin but i wanted mm. to be a magician before i wanted to do anything else really so the idea that this guy that you know used to watch on the telly that he's sort of stepping through into reality and there was a point in the evening where he asked me to set his props for him and it's like this is so weird and he did a trick just for us as well which was just amazing. backstage in a little, oh, little yeah. trick wow. yeah but i can imagine him being like that like i mm. i think that magicians they've worked so hard in a very, very focused way. Like, mm-hmm. I think with comics, it's similar. It's complete meritocracy, really, isn't it? You mm. cannot get anywhere if you don't have enough successful gigs. You just can't. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. it's true. And there's no... With, with comedy, it's so black and white. It's not like acting where some people think actors are great. Some people think the same actor's terrible. It, there's mm. a bit more ambiguity, but mm-hmm. um, I think with magicians, they've really, really had to hone their craft in a way mm. that some other arts don't quite have. And I think, I might be wrong, but I think most of them probably are very, like, they're very proud of what they've done. So it doesn't surprise me that he showed yeah. you a, a trick because they've worked so hard at it. And mm-hmm. if he could see that you were like genuinely interested in it, yeah, yeah. I, I can see that he'd be so passionate about magic that oh, yeah. he'd yeah. be up for... It's not the same as a comic doing a bit of material backstage just no. for you, is it? That would just no. be so just weird. Be weird. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, it would be like the time yeah. I went to a show once in Edinburgh on my birthday and I was the only person in the audience and the woman still <laughs> went ahead with it and it was sort <laughs> of amazing. But yeah, I was like, yeah. I feel under so much pressure to laugh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's horrendous. I used to work at, yeah. Well, she was really good. Like, it was a really amazing show. It was in a swimming pool. And so she would pop up and do these po- these comedy poems and these bits of stand-up, then go and swim a few lengths. And, oh, my God. In the yeah, it was one of those really... I used, I always go and see shows like Where this, was that but, venue in Edinburgh? I don't remember that venue. It was on um, Grass Market. Oh, so right, it was yeah. quite near the um, the underbelly. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was. Mean, um, yeah. It was fantastic. But I was just like, oh, I really wish I had people with me to sort of share this incredible experience. <laughs> and I just wish... And Bridget, I think one year Bridget did a show to one person, or maybe I think she did a show to three people. But right. yeah, so I think maybe this is the the least amount of audience. The least I ever did was three people, and the rest were acts. I think there was a dog there as well. Yeah. I, I met Chris Tarrant when I was I used to work behind the bar at the Cambridge Theatre when I first graduated, 
And there was a girl from my year who was in the show and I was behind the bar, which was especially kind of sad for me. (laughs) We graduated uh, uh, with the same status and now I'm chopping lemons in your past. What what show out of interest was that? Um, It was Beautiful Game. It was musical by Ben Elton and um, uh, and Andrew Lloyd Webber. Hmm. And um, Chris Tarrant came. So our bar was the biggest bar. And if Andrew Lloyd Webber had any guests, they Hmm. always came to our bar. And Chris Tarrant came in once and um, ordered his drink. And I thought, in that same way that you were kind of like, I've got to say something. I've got... So I was like, um, <laughs> what can I say? What can I say that will make him remember me? Like, why do you mm. want to be remembered? Why yeah. can't you just... Yeah. So I, I said, so he ordered a drink and I said, is that your final answer? Oh, <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> I, I, his response was so lovely. He laughed as if no one had ever said mm. that to him. He was like, "Yeah, it is, it is." And I was, and now as the years have gone by, I've thought that was such a lovely thing to do because yeah. he really didn't have to do that. He could have been like, "Yeah, it is." Get yeah. my drink. <laughs> yeah. That's like because we had um, when we were interviewing Kate Robbins, and it's the McCartney thing again. Because I asked her oh, about yeah, it. Yeah, she's his cousin, isn't she? That's right. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. she was saying like, you know. He always, you know, everyone always comes up to him and they always say thank you for the music. And, and, and well, she said one good thing. She went out for a, a, a meal with him um, in Soho and he paid by check and he said, oh, they'll, they'll never cash it. And it's like they never do. They always no. want to keep the thing. Stick but but I do, I, this is the thing. I mean, when I met him, he was really, really nice. Every, every story I've ever heard of him, like when he's doing interviews, he always tries to make people comfortable. And I think that's a sign of a really good kind person because it could be it'd be yeah. so easy to be sick of it because he's been doing it for like 60 years or whatever so yeah but yeah and then Paul Daniels said I think you're right as well and I, I remember watching just before we had him or just after he came I was watching like a countdown of best magicians and they showed a clip of him doing the cup cups and balls thing that he's like really known for and this was at like a working man's club in like 1970 something and he did the same trick at mostly and it was just still as relaxed and brilliant and and you know so he really cares cared about what he did and it was yeah, just so beautiful to see but yeah, yeah it's exactly that they've they it's an art isn't it but um, oh yeah. yeah you know yeah the fact that the fact that he didn't sort of phone it in when he was in like a sort of barn in Hitchin rather than yeah. like you know oh, Broadway yeah. or something yeah. but yeah he, he really he seriously enjoyed it didn't he? you could see him really yeah. kind of reveling in the and we had do you know i don't know if you know beck hill um yes yeah she was on as well and she was doing one of her brilliant things with the drawings and then you saw him like come out you could see his sort of silhouette and watching it and he was saying to her afterwards how great it was so yeah you know people who still care about it that many years on because he was 76 i think something like that yeah it's not long before he passed away sadly was it actually we had him just a few months before he passed away which was even yeah. more special in a way, sort of yeah. made it more special of in course, the sense yeah. that it could have not happened. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we we've got. Um, I don't know if it's too early to dip. Well, no, actually, no. God, look at the time. Um, we've got some quote, so a couple of got, questions. I talked about the on cable there. cars for about twenty minutes. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was the best bit. That's the bit we're going to use. We'll try and get some money from yeah. Heights of Abraham. It's fine. We'll try and make some money yeah. out of that. Yes, fine. you should definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, question. Right. What made you want to write your book? There's a question from Richard Anthony Morris. Um, well, Richard, I had always thought about writing a book, but I didn't know what it would be. And then the publisher listened to my Radio 4 series and then I had a meeting with them and we had a chat about what it should be. And I thought, actually, I would be really up for writing a kind of book based on my stand-up bits and kind of expanding them into, like, general stuff about relationships. So that yeah so it was really a meeting i suppose which mm-hmm. is a bit of a boring answer <laughs> it was a meeting next question yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it had been something i'd always thought about i just i guess i was 
waiting for the right opportunity to come along and it felt it felt right and actually I'm writing another book for Orion that I've just handed in the second draft of and that that hopefully will be out next year and that's a novel and that's been oh. harder to write but I've, I've enjoyed it more and I think it's better right. um so yeah I've it's um kind of got real people in it that I've kind of well it, it's got I think whenever you write anything you're kind of basing it on real life in a way aren't you or people mm. you've met and stuff mm. so there are bits that people might go oh, I know I used to know someone like that in Matlock could it be them but it, it is fiction so yes that do should you, be out next year. Do you think um, writing the first one as a sort of semi-autobiography thing that enabled you to feel you could write a novel because obviously it's such a different um, thing. Yeah maybe I suppose it's a bit like an Edinburgh show like you you do the first one, you go, oh, or even like doing a 20 minute set as opposed to a 10 minute one when you start out as a stand up. You can't believe you'll ever do 20 minutes and you do it. And then you think, can I do half an hour? Then you do that. And 10 minutes then seems really short. So I think, mm. yes, in that sense, I suppose I had the com- more confidence to write a novel because I was like, I have written a book that was X, uh, X pages long. And at yeah. times with writing the first book, I really wanted it to be a novel because I wanted, I thought actually it would be better if this had happened. But because this is true, I can't. I can't add in a fictional mm. character and I can't. Yeah. So in some ways I felt quite a bit restrained with the do first you, one. Mm. Yeah. Do you find it weird, say, when you meet people who've read your books? I find I'm reading it at the moment and I'm really, I'm really enjoying it. Um, but do you, you know, because I know it's sort of stand-up stuff as well, but because it's quite sort of personal, do you, do you, is that sort of weird thing where you, you write it not really considering who's going to read it and then you meet someone and they know more about you than you might anticipate? Yeah, but I think it's the same with stand-up as well, isn't it? Like, it, especially mm-hmm. if you do an hour, you're... Uh, it depends like Gary Delaney who does gags probably wouldn't feel like he wouldn't feel like oh this person's seen me do an hour and they're going to know stuff about my relationship because he's not that kind of comic I think you get lots of different Mm. types but if I do an hour I can't not say quite personal stuff just because of the type of comic that I am and I think it was the same feeling with the book I think it was no more so than doing a show actually right Um, Mm. but there is a weird thing because it's in print and Mm. you're not there when they read it yeah (laughs) yeah I suppose at a show you're there with them so yeah, yeah it's an odd you, feeling printed and you go suppose, yeah well you know how you did it in what context it was in and everything else whereas they're reading it and they sort of they have their own at any time as well it's yeah yeah and radio for that reason is different i think because mm. you create mm. it and then you kind of let it go and i think with a book there's very much a feeling of letting it go yeah. and then you can't tinker with it which we're used yeah. to doing yeah so you can't go oh actually you know even in an edinburgh run i'll be making tiny changes even in the 30th show yeah like okay bye book yeah 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 Yeah. another question we have from malcolm smith are you still learning welsh he wrote that in welsh earlier as well i know i saw that yeah yeah. i thought you translated it in your head i was like yeah yeah that was me yeah yeah i google translated that earlier just to work it out and i was like oh that's what he means um yeah um yeah do we um uh do we um god you see what happened was when i first met ellis i started with gusto because we were, were sort of wooing each other then i found it was quite a difficult language to learn mm. it's a very beautiful language but it's quite different from english and since we've had kids i've got a renewed energy investment in learning it because i want them to speak more welsh and i want my welsh to improve um and over the years i've we, we still speak quite a lot of Welsh in the house, but I want it to get better. So we'll always say barat instead of bread or cloth instead of milk without thinking. And when we're out, I'll, or 
if the baby's tired, I'll say, um, oh, where do you bleed or which is, you know, tired. And then we're yes. out and I go, oh, I'm speaking Welsh. And, I, and that's yeah. such a lovely feeling. So yeah. I will believe I will one day be fluent. So, <laughs> yes, I will continue. It's, it's quite a pretty language, isn't it, as well? I yeah, it is. Quite... And, and also, I think learning any language when you're a bit older is so good for your brain. Mm. And I know yeah. all of us, for various reasons, haven't got a lot of spare time but yeah. i think um it is good and there's a very good app called say something in welsh which doesn't do it by rote so you're sort of not going s e s you know yeah. i went you went it just quickly makes you learn really good phrases so there's yeah. one my, my wife uses she's in here so she might say which is very good an app she uses every day and she's like been learning german every day for like a year or something but it's, it's weird because it like sounds like it's looking at us because she she's a photographer and one of them said something like what was it um he likes to sing songs and she likes to take photographs. And you're like, are they watching us? And there was, I was something like, and there was one, there's one today, the actor doesn't have any money, which I thought, oh, yeah, that's, that's, that's appropriate. <laughs> that's like an episode of Black Mirror. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Du, duolingo, du, I can't even say it, ironically, duolingo. Duolingo is what it is. Yes. This is why I can't yeah. remember languages. But yeah, it's really weird. It's like, are they just watching us? It's like Alexa gone mad. But um, Oh hmm. God, yeah, that, that w- it will be like that in years to come. It's kind of terrifying, isn't it? Because we've got them all around the house and yeah. you just sort of take it as red, but yeah. it is quite sinister. And some, it, well, yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. But yeah, it is a bit frightening. But it's when I, they pick up, it's when you're three-year-old, they, they start to understand my, my three-year-old, now they understand oh, what he to. says. And I'm like, oh, for goodness sake, <laughs> like, he doesn't even say Alexa properly, yet right. they, he yeah. still understands, yeah. still understands no, it. Yeah. Like, there was one, one when my dad was quite ill and, and he was in this house and we set up Alexa and stuff to try and make him use the radio and stuff and just because he was sort of not really engaging anymore. Um, but he was getting really angry with it when there was a friend around and said, oh, it just doesn't work, it doesn't fucking work at all. Melissa! <laughs> yeah it's a very odd name for it should yeah. be a name that doesn't sound like a name it yes. shouldn't be a name yeah. that sounds like it could be melissa or laura or something yeah, yeah. it should just be like robot or yeah. yeah because they yeah. had to brand it of course it had to have but, but to be fair uh, i had ri- i had stuck the word alexa on the front of his like hospital table in front well of there we in, go in sharpie so i can what can you do yeah <laughs> We probably should let you go. So I did want yeah. to ask you about Peep Show and lots of other things, um, but I don't want to keep you here for too long. Um, but well, Peep Show was a great. <laughs> Peep Show was great. They were really lovely. Yeah. One quick that... thing to ask was it was it weird was it weird <laughs> was it hard going into something that was very well established, um, and also once you'd come out of it or once it finished, was it unusual going back to like filming things in a normal process rather than doing it the um, way you were doing it. It was hard and easy going into something that was established. It was easy in the sense that it was exciting to know that the tone of it was established and that it was already successful mm. and that you weren't doing a pilot and wondering, A, if it mm. would ever go to series and B, if you'd stay in it or get recast mm. if it went to series, which yeah. you don't ever know, do you? Yeah. Um, mm. But it was hard in the sense that I felt a lot of pressure and I hadn't really done very much telly beforehand. I didn't mm. know what a lot of technical terms were to do with filming. Um, and I felt like very kind of green around the gills so I think I was very very quiet for the first right. series that I was in and kind of kept my head down didn't really chat and then as the series went on I uh, thought oh it's okay they haven't sapped me okay mm-hmm. um, and then yes going yes and even while we were filming it you know because you sort of do one a year or maybe even one every two mm-hmm. years sometimes you're sort of doing other bits and bobs in between and yes it it, it I'd, I'd say it was probably weirder going back to peep show than 
doing it the other way because it right. always just feels a bit alien to be looking mm. down a lens. Yeah, yeah. It feels more technical in some ways. It's such a, it's a weird thing, I suppose, for when you're playing a character to be looking down a lens because I guess you, it's that's something you do where you don't look talking. If you're yes, presenting, if you're like you're presenting presenter or something. that's fine. That's yeah. what you do. Yeah. And I, that, I find that that's fine. But yeah, if you're suddenly then going, I'm looking down a lens, but I'm also playing a character and I'm also reacting to things yeah. that are not here, but they are here. And it's, it's a very, yeah. Yeah, it was. And I think, so we always had a, like, a, you know, read through the scene together and then you'd do the crew rehearsal. I seem to remember you do a crew rehearsal with uh, each other. So you kind of get to do it twice or you, at least you okay. block it with each other. So you get to do mm. it twice and then right. one of you would be replaced with the camera. But I'd always mm. try and remember as much as, as I could of what David had done in those couple of rehearsals so that I could mm. sort of react off the camera as if, it was him. So it was always very important to have those couple of reads with the actual actor. So you couldn't, when you were actually doing it to the camera then, you you couldn't see them at all then? You were literally looking no, at No, because them. if they'd been in the in your eye line, it would have been it's, really yeah. odd, I think. Yeah. I mean, you could hear them, of course, because they'd read mm. in their lines, but they were often in the room next door kind of shouting yeah, right. their lines. Yeah, and then the monologues always, you know, the interior, yeah. the internal monologues for him, mm. often they have to just get so much footage of you to cover... <laughs> Right. The, uh, yeah. So you just find yourself kind of nodding at the camera mm. for ages because they just need footage yeah. so that he can be looking at you while he's talking. It's, it, yeah, it's, it was such a brilliant show. And did you, did you, think, yeah. would, would they read those out as well? So you, would you yes, hear his internal monologue? Yeah, the timing. Yeah, yeah the timing. So you, so you kind of hear them, make... but not react, but also react, but not react to what he's thinking because you can't hear. It's a really kind of. Yeah, you can't react way. because you can't hit because your character yeah, can't hear it. That. Yeah, but yeah, you want to right, vary yeah. what you're doing because you don't want it just to be 15 seconds of you nodding because yeah. yeah. that feels like that wouldn't be very interesting to watch. So, yeah. in that sense, it is a very technical show. I think yeah. you're thinking, yeah. I think what's so great about it is like because initially when it started, you were sort of more aware of the device, but then as it goes on, you sort of forget about it. But that shows how well it's done. You know, like the people walking past, maybe being the perspective. It's really it's. And it is, I think, it's such a great sitcom. I think it's one of, mm. one of the best, more modern day sitcoms, I think, for a, a long time. So, yeah, it's great that you were that's such a big part of it. It must have been great to do and, and to look back on. I yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely is. Um, from yeah. the heights of Abraham to there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, Izzy, for this and, and yeah, for joining you. us. And, and hopefully when we are allowed to do gigs again, you know, come back to Hitchin. Oh, yeah, I'd love to, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it'd be great. Thanks. It's been really fun. Yeah, take care and we'll hopefully see you soon. Yes. Yeah, see Thank soon. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Bye. So that was Izzy Sutty. Certainly was. Yeah. Certainly was indeed. That was good fun, um, that. I enjoyed that. Yeah, it was great. And I, it was a shame. I wanted to talk to her more about Peep Show, as we sort of said at the end, because mm. I, I do really, really like it. And, um, you know, but then we could have talked about lots of other things as well. She's yeah. done lots of interesting things. And a little plug, because as, as I said in the interview I'm reading at the moment, do uh, buy her book because it's, it's very good. The the actual one, How I Tried and Failed to Avoid Adulthood Forever, um, which I'm reading at the moment. On I'll have to, um, I have to borrow it off you when you've read it. I'm not going to buy my it. Kindle. I'll just have to, I'll have to borrow it off. Oh, you're, it's on your Kindle? I'll yeah, it. I'll lend you my Kindle. <laughs> yeah, can you just, uh, yeah, just give me a whole device and then I'll just read all your books. Um, I'll copy it out. I'll write it out for you. <laughs> it's funny because I, I, I never really get on with Kindles. Like I don't, I don't right. read enough books, to be honest. I don't really read a lot, but like I bought a Kindle to try and read more and I just never really got into it like yeah. having having them on there but I, i've just bought philip schofield's autobiography so i, but I actually bought the book because i was like right. I, I wanted to buy the book and actually yeah, read yeah. the book and i don't know i just i feel like that's probably the only way i'm going to read 
now. Is it a read is read actual books. I'm not very good at. Yeah, well, well I, I sort of felt the same, but I, funny enough, I got it at the beginning of lockdown, and mm. I've just read so much compared to what I would normally do. Yeah, like, like I don't even know how many books I've read since then, but like yeah, which is very rare for me. And I, I yeah, I, I sort of held off having them for a while, but you know, it, it's good. You know, it's it's handy, and it's nice. It's better than having a hardback. I find. True. Hardbacks are a bit of a pain. Yeah, I have to say, yeah. Yeah. Is the Philip Schofield one a hardback? It is, yeah. And it is slightly annoying <laughs> so to read in bed. Yeah. Well, it's when you, especially when you fall asleep and it land, yeah. lands on your face. <laughs> it's quite heavy. It's quite heavy. <laughs> but at least when you're on the train stuff, you can show off that you've got the Philip Schofield book. And also, you sound like you said daughter biography. I don't know if that's like... And it's, and it's um, autographed as well. Is it? I have got an autographed copy. Yeah, because oh. I have because I didn't one one Philip Schofield autograph from however many years ago, thirty odd right. years ago, isn't enough. So I needed a more recent one <laughs> to right. go with it. Do they have, match? I already have one. Um, do you know I haven't checked? I need to go back and look at my my other one, but I have one from him. God, like, when I was when he was doing going live, so it was like way back in um, the eighties, late eighties. It was at was Luton it an Airport. Or yeah, Luton Airport. Yeah, I was with yeah. my uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and I was with my cousin and my mum's cousin and we were i think we were picking someone up from an airport and philip schofield was there gordon yeah. gopher was gordon it? Go- gordon yeah gopher yeah yeah we, <laughs> sarah green we were like i can i really remember that i was too nervous but i think my mum or someone went and got the autograph right. from philip schofield your mum or someone or someone i don't know someone else <laughs> one of <laughs> my, your staff is yeah from, <laughs> there was people familiar. people around me um yeah, yeah and that's so. the thing about kindle you can't you don't really want someone to sign a kindle this is it just no you know, it's not the same no, um, but yeah, no. She, she, I'm going back to um, to Izzy Sutty, like she, <laughs> which is why we're here, <laughs> which is what we yeah. just who we just interviewed. But you know, I was really, um, I always like it when you talk to people that have similar t- taste in comedy because her her sort of style, her style of the sort of things she does and the things that she liked growing up were very similar. There was lots of. Um, you yeah, know, absolutely. talking about shows that I was like, yeah, I like that show. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, show. all the way through, like the day, the day to day, yeah. And that's... then also, well, even like her picking Phil Kay out of all the people yeah. to talk about, because yeah. you know, if someone likes him, you know, you you know, it's a good sign. Yeah, but yeah, it's, it's it's nice, and yeah, there's lots of sort of parallels. I mean, obviously, when she was talking about the bands and stuff, you know, mm. I was thinking about that because that was yeah. very much like my beginning. And but yeah, no, it's nice, and again, sort of encouraging to hear someone. Um, living the sort of dream, so to speak, but mm. um, who's nice and who's done all those things, and um, mm. I don't know, just sort of remains genuine, really. And um, yeah, yeah. yeah, so it's nice, it's very nice. Um, and yeah, um, we've got. If you haven't heard them before, we've got plenty of other episodes available in all the places where you listen to your podcasts. Yes. Uh, we, we have the various ones we've recorded in lockdown uh, with people like Rory Bremner, Bobby Davro, Jan Ravens. Uh, Josh Whittacombe, Josh Morris and Blue Tones, all these people. Mm. Um, And also the older ones with Phil Jupiter's, Richard Herring, a couple of them, uh, Sean Hughes, Uh, Paul Paul Daniels, Daniels, as Um, we mentioned tonight. Yeah. Yeah, there's no. That that was nice as well. I was going to say it was nice how she connected with what we were talking about, Paul Daniels, and about the idea of, you know, um, him caring about what he does and her understanding. Yeah, it's so true, isn't it? Yeah. It was definitely obvious that night. And I think because he sort of picked up fairly early on in our chat that we, you know, we were genuinely fans and that we liked yeah. the same sort of things. I remember us connecting over Bruce Forsyth as well. Yeah. Talk, you know, talking about doing Strictly and stuff. I think, and, I think it's the only time I've ever met someone that I vaguely, well, not say vaguely, I, I, I know I like a lot, but in terms of I'm a fan of, that I've actually mm. ever said, 
I'm a fan, like we both kind of said yeah. at the beginning yeah. of the interview with him, we're yes. fans. I don't think I've ever admitted that to someone I've met that no. I've, you know, I thought, because you like, we were saying yeah. it with um, Izzy, like you, you're not normally, you don't have long enough with someone like you with Paul McCartney, so that you're not mm. going to really express that probably no. other, other than just say, nice to meet you or hi, hello, or something really brief, yeah, yeah. but to actually get to say we're fans and then we'll talk about how you really into magic growing up how we had the magic yeah. sets all the things but then sort of justify it but not sound like a just a crazy kind of i really like you but actually kind of yeah. talk in a nice you know but it was like a, it, it was the whole evening like you were saying yeah. you know it was, we had, there was plenty of time to sort of have detail of, of, of conversation mm. which you don't normally get if you're not recording a podcast and no. if you're not meeting them in that sort of scenario yeah, yeah. so uh, yeah it, it was great um and that's what's been really good about these podcasts as well because we've yeah. just had the chance to have proper conversations with people again mm. but in a more relaxed environment rather than when we're doing a gig which is yeah. always a bit more frenetic exactly um but yeah do listen to the other episodes and we've got some more coming up we're recording uh, one with lucy porter for example and then ruth miller in yep. the coming weeks so they'll be available too and hopefully eventually we'll be able to do shows again sometime in the not too distant future yes yeah so check out everything i mean everything you can find everything mostly comedy related at mostlycomedy.co.uk so that's the most the simplest way of finding our stuff or obviously yeah. on twitter uh, if you follow yeah. at dog at fgrave or instagram is mostly comedy or, or mostly underscore comedy uh, is instagram isn't it and yes. um and facebook is dog it and fgrave so yeah all those and things. my mobile number is yeah <laughs> o- <laughs> but but yeah uh, do, do do check it out do keep supporting uh the club and yeah i mean i'm, I'm impressed that it's still going 12 years on uh, that's not something we ever really nope. considered nope. um and you know when you look at the, the the journey from that first night to the people who have played the club which is a ridiculously long list mm. of many of the best people in in comedy it's just a bit insane really yeah um and yeah i mean he's hoping it goes on for maybe another 12 years i don't yeah. know when do we when do we pass it on to your kids and, and stuff depends depends what it's worth by then <laughs> yeah <laughs> i don't know i want it <laughs> no probably not probably not um, um but yeah um but yeah thanks for joining us for this episode and hopefully we'll have you back with us ears and brain and all the rest of it soon yes see you soon bye